0: You don't need to be a bold and a better Esther, because Jesus already is that person. He is a bolder, a better, a true Esther that this story is pointing to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this morning then we're going to look at Esther. There are no 80s pop stars uh, in the room. Uh, actually, no. know. Um, So we're looking at Esther. It's a great book to look at as we're moving between uh, last year and next year or anything big in your life. Esther is a great book to read when you're on the cusp of anything. Uh, Esther is the last. The Bible kind of chunked out into sections. Esther is the last of the history books, the historical books in the Bible. Uh, The next book is Job. Uh, and with that comes the section that we would refer to as the wisdom literature. Uh, if you're looking for Esther in your Bible, if you open it up right in the middle, you're going to get to Psalms. If you go back a couple of books, uh, you're going to get to Esther. If you're on your, if you're on a device, you can just put the list alphabetically. Uh, anyway, so when all this stuff happened, the Persian Empire was the biggest empire that the world had ever seen, uh, and archaeologists found the places that this stuff happened at places like this. Really available online. So we're, we're dealing with history. This is not a, some allegorical story. This isn't a story to make a point. We're talking about history. These were real people in real places. Uh, look it up. The Bible stands the test of investigation. Uh, so we joined the story in Esther about 30 years after Ezra has gone back to Jerusalem from this place, uh, and about 40 years before Nehemiah would join him, and his big target, his big goal uh, was to rebuild the walls uh, of Jerusalem. And so we're somewhere between Ezra and Nehemiah, which are also great books of the Bible. For uh, the, one of the main players in this drama, the king uh, whose palace this was, uh, Ahasuerus, commonly known as Xerxes. He's a, kind of a main player uh, in the book of Esther. And he consistently comes across really prideful, uh, really arrogant. And if you if you follow in, in your Bible, in Esther chapter 1, he gives this epic week-long party, this feast, just to show everybody just, just how great he thinks he is. Uh, there's loads of food. There's loads of drinks. And after a week of parties and drinks, he makes some terrible, terrible, terrible decisions. Now, it's not the main point of the book of Esther, and it's certainly not the main thing we're talking about today, but there are these little lessons as we read through the Bible. There's a a big point, there's a destination where we're going, but along the way, there are lots of little things to take out. So after a week of drinking, he makes some terrible decisions. So the little lesson on our journey to the big destination, drunk decisions are bad decisions. Somebody said amen, which is good. So you're with me on that one. Uh, it's very timely. It's New Year's Eve. Drunk decisions are bad decisions. Paul writes about this really clearly in his letter to the Ephesians. He, he, this section, he starts it off by saying, consider carefully how you live. How you live. Think about what you're doing. He says, do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery. don't do it. But be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence. So don't get drunk. It's a very timely point on the way to New Year's Eve, isn't it? It's not the main point of Esther. It's certainly not the main point uh, for today, but 2022, being drunk is not alright. If you're claiming to be a Christian, if you're saying Jesus is my Lord and Saviour, being drunk is not alright. Ever. Full stop. Period. It's just not not alright. Anyway, so Xerxes makes a couple of really bad decisions fueled by his week of drinking and, uh, long story short, banishes the queen uh, and finds himself then all alone. Between Esther chapter 1 and 2, there's a gap uh, of about Four years, uh, in which time he goes off to try and conquer Greece. Uh, And depending on where you read about this online or in a book, uh, you probably are going to come across a battle that was widely popularized in that movie 300. You know what I'm talking about? Where Gerard Butler shouts, this is Sparta, and kicks that guy into oblivion. Those, those were real people. This is a real thing. If you read about this, there's the 300 from Sparta against Xerxes and the gang. So he comes back from this giant failure, and he wants to cheer himself up. He wants to do something to make himself feel better. So he organizes what is essentially a beauty contest, like a Miss Persian Empire, uh, world's biggest empire at the time. So the odds of one lady winning were astronomical. History tells us there were about 400 ladies who got through to the next round uh, of the contest and they began this really intense and very long regime uh, of beautification. Uh, You can read about that in chapter 2, verses 12 to 14, and this is where we meet Esther. She finds herself among this 400 And from that 400, she then makes it to the next round. Uh, She's finding favor with everybody that she needs. She's making a really good impression. Uh, And in chapter 2, verse 9, we read, This young woman, Esther, uh, pleased him, found favor with him. This is the guy looking after all the contestants, all the ladies. Uh, And he quickly provided Esther with uh, all her cosmetics and her rations. And he also provided her with the seven specially chosen young women who were from the palace. And as this Miss Persia thing continues, uh, Esther behaves the polar opposite to the king in chapter one. Uh, She listens to people who know better than she does, and she makes some very wise decisions. And from the empire, from this 400, from then the next round, Esther is chosen be queen. Uh, If you're reading along with me, we're in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she met with loving approval more than all the other young women. So he placed the royal high turban on her head and appointed her queen in place of Vashti. Then the king prepared a large banquet for all his officials and his servants. It was actually Esther's banquet. He also set aside a holiday for the provinces, and it provided for offerings at the king's expense. So again, we're moving through this quite quickly, but if you read about Esther, she's an orphan. She's been raised by, uh, some sources are going to say, her cousin, her uncle, a male family member. So she's an orphan, and she now finds herself as queen of the biggest empire, the biggest, baddest, largest empire the world has ever seen at the time. And lots of people as we're moving into New Year are going to feel quite insignificant. Quite, it's just me. I can't really do anything this year. Nobody even knows where I am or who I am. But you think about Esther. If God has a plan for someone so seemingly insignificant as Esther, we can take a great deal of comfort from knowing that God has a plan for us too. So this year, take the pressure off yourself as we move into a new year. If the last two years have not taught you that, please listen to me now. Take the pressure off yourself to make this coming year your year. If God has a plan for somebody so seemingly insignificant as Esther, an orphan being raised by a family member in some backwater village who's now the queen of the biggest, baddest empire the world has ever seen, God has a plan for you as well. Being where you are in the world right now is not an accident. Being in the job that you're in now is not an accident. Being surrounded by the people in your life that you're surrounded by now is not an accident. We serve a God We know a God. We love a God who is all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, and all-wise. So either through his explicit declarations or his permission, whatever happens in your life is going to first and foremost glorify him to the maximum degree possible. And then it's going to be good for you. His good and his perfect will is always going to happen. You first to do in 2022 is that just remember when stuff looks confusing, you don't know why things are happening. God has a plan for you this coming year. Are we on the same page? Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that one, do you believe that God has a plan for you this coming year, and it's going to happen whether you try your best to mess it up or further it, it is going to happen this year. Uh, Xerxes then, he's got his new queen, he's feeling quite good. Uh, He appoints, in chapter 3 now, what looks like a prime minister, a a go-to guy for himself. And it's a guy called Haman the Agagite. Uh, And the Agagites were historical enemies of God's people. You can read about that in Exodus 17. And this produces a bit of tension, or really brings to the surface a bit of tension, uh, with Esther's cousin or uncle, depending where you read, her guardian, let's say Mordecai, who refuses to bow down and worship the prime minister as he walks past. Uh, And Mordecai says, uh, Mordecai knows, being a man of scripture, uh, that God alone is worthy of my worship. So as you walk past, I respect the position that that you've been put in. I'm not going to bow down and worship you because you're just a person just like me. Uh, Haman obviously doesn't like this. uh, And he goes from zero to a hundred at record speed, and he decides, uh, because one person has not bowed down to worship him, he is going to eradicate a whole people group. Because one person has, uh, in his eyes, um, sinned against him, not followed the rules, so to speak. Uh, One person has uh, slipped, fallen, sinned, not done what's expected of you, We're going to eradicate the whole... Everybody is now guilty because of this one person's sin. uh, Transgression, let's say. And so he engineers this situation. He questions what the king has said, and he manipulates people. He's not a great guy. Uh, The king... You you read this in chapter 3. The king probably doesn't know, really know what's going on. Uh, God's people in all of the empire were essentially given prior written warning that because one of you has transgressed sin uh, all of you now face death. And they get this in writing sent around the empire. And while all this is going on uh, Haman is just loving being the prime minister he's cozy up to the king uh, again you can read about that in chapter three. And then the main thing that we want to leave with today from Esther is in Esther chapter 4. If you do have a Bible, we're definitely going to spend some time in Esther chapter 4. So Mordecai, Esther's guardian, learns that his people are going to be killed. He gets it in writing that because one of you, actually it was him, wasn't it, but because one of you has transgressed, you all now face death and Uh, He responds by seeking out help. He wants to do something to fix this impending death sentence. But he works out fairly quickly that he is such a regular Joe like you and me that he cannot, on his own, stop the impending death that's coming his way because of sin and transgression. So he goes to somebody in a much higher, a much more privileged and powerful position. He wants Esther to get involved, to boldly approach the sovereign to save all of the people from this coming death that is written down, that's coming their way because one person has sinned. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 8, this is Mordecai. He also gave instructions that Esther should go to the king to implore him and petition him on behalf of her people. He wants her to step into this situation. If you read about this, Esther says, look, I'm not really allowed in his presence unless he asks for me. I'm the queen. but I'm not allowed just to go and saunter into his presence. He is the sovereign, and I'm just like everybody else, and I can't just walk into his room and ask him stuff. He is so different. He is so set apart from the rest of us that I can't just walk in. But that's the only way to save the people from death. Mordecai wants her to get involved, to intercede. She's just like the rest of the people. She's Jewish by heritage. She's one of God's people. She's kind of kept that to herself. She's living in this very different environment. But by she is just like the people. She is one of the people. And Mordecai wants her to get involved, to step in, to intercede, to stand between the king, the sovereign, the ruler, and death of the people. Mordecai wants Esther to get in the middle and stop this happening, to stand in the gap, Ezekiel writes, between life and death. And he lays some some pretty harsh truth on her in chapter 4, verse 13. He says, look, if this happens, if you don't do anything about it, you're going to die as well. If you don't, you're the only person who can stand between life and death for us. If you don't do it, we're all going to die. With you, but so are you. And then, chapter four, verse fourteen, he lays it all out for her, and he says, "Look, it may very well be that you have achieved royal status for such a time as this. Maybe your Bible says something like, uh, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this?'" Uh, Who knows whether you've attained royalty for such a time as this and for this very purpose. Esther, this is why you're in this position. You're one of the people. You've also got a very special relationship with the sovereign, the ruler. Esther's whole life then, whether she knew it or not, her whole life has been leading her to this moment. This is her moment, potential. She's going to stand in the gap between death and all of the people. They've been condemned to death because of the sin, because of the transgression of one person. Everybody now faces death. And here's Esther, one of the people, but in right relationship with the ruler, the sovereign, she's the only person that can save the people from death. And this is it. This is the moment. This is why she was was taken from this anonymous, unknown location with a bit of a makeshift family. Kind of a family. Kind of not. To this very privileged and public and powerful position. She was born to fulfill this role at this very moment. She is the appointed representative between the people and the ruler to save them from death. She is she's David. She is like David. The impending death of her people is the Goliath. And it's down to one person to strike this great big victory that frees everybody else. Here's one person whose courageous actions, somebody coming from really humble and obscure beginnings, not where you'd expect a, a savior to come from. The courageous actions of one person is going to save God's people from death. So she gathers some support. She gets a little group around her, not a massive group, a few close friends a bigger, wider group, maybe 12, you know, and then she takes three days, her plan, her method, what she's going to do, three days, from death to life. And then she commits to it. She commits to being that representative, the mediator a savior in the short term that God people needed. You read about that in uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Now we read this chapter, we read Esther chapter 4, we read this story, we think about the new year to come, and it is so easy to make ourselves Esther. You are here. It's going to be your year. You are the chosen one. It's your time. You, like Esther, need to get some friends around you. A couple of really close ones, slightly bigger group as well. Uh, you need to gather some support. You need to surround yourself with people that are going to support you. Never challenge you or call you out. To stuff. Just affirm. Never challenge. You need to represent, rescue yourself in 2021. And everybody else around you, you're going to be that person for your group of friends. It's so easy to read this and think, "I am an Esther for 2022. For me and my friends, I'm going to be an Esther. This is me. This is my time. 2022, going to be mine." So easy, so natural to read this story and think, "Yes, that is me. I would have jumped in." I would have saved my friend. 2022 is going to be my year. But did you say that last year, for 2021? Did you say that two year? Well, maybe not. Did you say that two years ago for 2020? 2020 is going to be my year. In 2020, I'm going to be so clear. There's going to be lots of vision. 2020 is going to be my year. If we've learned anything from the last couple of years, it's that nobody on earth knows what 2020 is going to be. And that you and me, Even we, despite all our efforts, aren't going to affect anything this coming year in any meaningful, lasting kind of way. 2022 is going to be what it's going to be. Uh, We are not in control of 2022 or any year in the future. We're not the ultimate directors of our own destiny. Claiming yourself as an Esther for today is not going to work. It's It's not like that. If you're still... If you still think about yourself, if you're still battling to be the master of your own fate or the captain of your own soul, please, stop. You're not. Otherwise, you would have saved us from 2020 and 2021, would you not? You would have. That's fantastic. Would you not have saved us from 2020 and 2021 if you could have? Your family of believing brothers and sisters. You would. You would have done something about it to improve life for all of us. But none of us did. Because we can't. We cannot do this. Stop trying to be the master of your own fate and the captain of your own soul. Because you're not. Your biggest to-do in 2022, then, if that's you, is to not do those things. Don't see yourself as the master of your own destiny. The captain of your own soul. But we read this, and it's so easy to make ourselves Esther. I am that person. But the problem with that, the problem with reading the Bible like that, is that Jesus didn't say that all of Scripture bears witness to you. That the Bible, Scripture teaches, talks about you or me or even we together. Yes, Scripture is very useful very practical. We said, Esther chapter 1, hey, don't get drunk. It's not alright. You make terrible decisions. Paul backs that up in the New Testament. It's Old Covenant thinking. It's New Covenant thinking. You're a believer, you just don't get drunk. It's not alright. It's very practical. We can learn lots of practical things on the way to the big destination. But the Bible is not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about us. The Bible, Scripture, is God's self-revelation of himself to you. It's for you. It's not about you. It's not an instruction manual. You might have heard that cheesy thing uh, that the Bible is your basic instruction before leaving earth. Anybody heard that before? B-I-B-L-E. The Bible is your basic instructions before leaving. It's not. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about us. We are not Esther in this story. We are in this story for sure, 100%. But we are not Esther. We are not the appointed representative for the people between life and death because of the sin of one person. It's not on us to save everybody. We are not Esther in this story. But we are 100% in this story. We are the people. We are the people that need saving. An enemy has insidiously maligned, manipulated the word and the authority of the sovereign. And as a result of one person's sin, death has now come to all of us. We are not Esther in this story. We are the people in this story. We are the people who face death because of the sin of one. And if if this is left unchecked in your life, unresolved, ignored, I'll get to that when I'm on my deathbed, or next year, with the year when I take really seriously the faith that I tell other people that I've got. The sin in, in, in your life is taking you the way of God's people in Esther. Death. Separation from life. We're not Esther in this story, but we are in this story. We're living out this story in the here and now every day. And we will continue to do so in 2022. You don't need to be a bold and a better Esther for 2022. 2022 is not going to be your year. It's not about you. 2022 is not going to be about you. It's not going to be about me. It's not even going to be about us. don't need to be an Esther for all your friends. The positive glue, the savior of your of you this, this, is not, this is not you. The story of Esther is not teaching you about you. It's not pointing towards you. A better, the true Esther that this story is pointing to. He defeated a seemingly undefeatable situation. He entered into that space between life and death. One of the people in right relationship with the sovereign, he entered into that battle like Esther, even though it looked like he was going to claim his life. He died a bodily death on that cross. It looked like it was going to claim his life. He took three days. Death, life. He saved God's people from death of one. If you believe in who he is and what he did, what he says, what he's going to do, if you believe in Jesus, he has saved you from impending death. Friends, we don't need to be an Esther in this story. We are not Esther in this story. We are the people in this story. And as it plays out, There is a substitutionary death in chapter 7 to turn away the wrath of the ruler. One person dies so that everybody else can live. That is not you. We're not Esther in this story. We are the people in this story. We are the saved. We are the people snatched from death to life through the person and the work of one. We are those people because of the person and the work of Jesus. So let us not work towards being a better Esther for 2022. For 2022, we just need to rest in the true and better Esther, the true and better redeemer of the people, the rescuer of the people in Jesus. That is your single to-do 2022 and everything else will just cascade out of that one big goal. To do for 2022 is rest and trust and believe in who Jesus is and what that means for your life. It's not lip service that we profess once a week. on It affects everything about you. That's your single single one to do for 2022. Because whatever happens this year whether it's good, bad, ugly, frustrating, technological, unplanned, unannounced, whether it changes overnight, it's all all alright. It's fine. Whatever happens this year, we will move through it together, will we not? Okay, so we're moving through it together. This side. We're going to move through whatever happens this year together as a family of believers. Are we not? Yes, we will. Whatever happens this year, it's not on you to save yourself from it, to change it. If you profess to be a Christian, if you tell people, if you claim Christ as Lord and say, if you tell people you're a Christian, that is your single to-do for 2022. Rest and trust and believe all the more in Jesus and in everything else from that and back to that. As the book of Esther ends, uh, chapter 10 is by far the shortest chapter uh, in the book. If you're following along, we'll flick forward uh, a couple of chapters. Uh, and on the surface, it's all about Mordecai, how good he is, how great he is. Uh, we see that the king is pretty powerful and mighty. Uh, Mordecai was honored very substantially, uh, and he now seems to be uh, the Prime Minister, this kind of the king's go-to guy. Well thought of by everybody, which is all very nice. Very nice for guy, good for him. Uh, But the last few words of the book, again, are so instructive, are so revealing. The last sentence of this book, chapter 10, verse 3, the last sentence of the book foreshadows, previews, talks about, teaches about, Jesus. Yes, there's a literal in the day and at that time, meaning bigger picture. Read chapter 10, verse 3. The last sentence, me means think who this is talking about. He worked enthusiastically for the good of his people and was an advocate for the welfare of all his descendants. Maybe your Bible says something like, he sought the welfare of the people and he spoke peace to everybody, his people. Yes, short term, in this place at that time, that's Mordecai. Bigger picture for your life now in 2022, that is Jesus working enthusiastically for your good. He is still interceding for you in 2022. He's an advocate for your welfare today, tomorrow. We cross the threshold to a new year. And every single day after that, forever, he speaks peace. You about you, not worldly calm, by the kind of people, but peace and reconciliation, right relationship, salvation from death, that kind of peace, peace with God. Bigger picture in Esther, we see somebody who's taken from relative obscurity, put in this position uh, of great honor and great influence, who intercedes for God's people. In a situation that seems bleak and where they are destined for death. And for me, therein lies just part of the beauty of the Word of God. Because that is all so true for Esther. But it's also so true for Jesus. On that road to Emmaus. Jesus is explaining to his traveling companions what was said in all of scripture concerning himself. For me, I've got no doubt that the story of Esther, the story of despair, of impending death, the people's inability to prevent their own death, but then salvation and redemption and this great victory secured by one person who stands for the people between life and have no doubt that Esther was a story, an account that he explained that points towards him as the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. So as we move into a new year tomorrow, it's a time of so many resolutions, of plans, targets, goals. Don't try to be a better Esther for this year. Whatever happens this year, we're going to move through it together as a family of believing brothers and sisters, whatever happens this year, it's not on you to save yourself from it. It's not on you to save us uh, from it. If you profess to be a Christian, if you're claiming Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you tell people that's who you are and that's what you believe. That is your single to-do for 2022, to rest and to trust and believe. All the more in the truer, be better. The truth that saved you from death separation a substitutionary as we move into 2022, our single to do is to rest, to trust, to believe all the more. And we are going to stand and we are going to pray together. Uh, We're going to take a moment just to personal, uh, and I want you to think about the year ahead. You heard from God, through his word, into your life. What do you want 2022? What do you want your next year to be about? Who do you want to be in 2022? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to be that? And then how are you going to get to